But we have these people, but there's still a work personal line that doesn't get crossed. And so your employee, your, your, your coworker, your employee has cancer. You are their manager. And so you still have to show them, coach them, tell them what to do to get their job done, oversee them. And you want to help. And maybe, you know, you feel like you don't feel like comfortable bringing them a meal to their home or filling their car with gas. And so just dealing with that discomfort and understanding I'm really uncomfortable because I don't know what to do or what to say or how to help is a really important part of the process. Hi and welcome to the Sunday Lunch Project Manager podcast for Sunday the 12th of March 2023. This is your host Nigel Creaser and today we have the second part of my interview with Kim Hammer talking about 100 acts of love and bereavement and serious illness in the office. Speak soon, bye. So this week or two, um, because I haven't put a little bit of a personal update in for quite some time, um, I've been doing a bit of travelling with work. Uh, I was in uh, what should have been sunny Worthing, which was a bit snowy Worthing over here in the UK. Um, down there, it was really good, good trip. I stayed in Brighton, never stayed in Brighton before. Seemed nice, went out in the evening, it was good. Um, it's quite nice going up travelling. Um, uh, with work again um, I've done it a few times in the last 12 months but it is still I am still stretching my travelling uh, muscles um, uh, it's weird how um, you get so used to not doing that um, and then you change I think it's um, uh, when not travelling as much you don't get used to it so it's quite interesting seeing myself having to cope with different situations that I have or haven't done for a long time um, a little bit of nervousness as well in some cases um, that uh, was being stuck in, in my uh, my little office but the great thing was I was in an office for pretty much two days with other people and there was a lot of people around um, and it felt really good it was really good a lot of energy there Whereas sometimes you can feel down with the energy when you're not around people. And it's kind of getting me, um, yeah, I, th- I think a couple of times it's convinced me that I want to get into the office more often. Um, for me, as well as for the benefit of interaction of others as well. Just to get that energy of other people. So I need to make sure there's other people around and um, and get out there really. So that's just something interesting uh, from that perspective. From other things, podcasts, I've got loads of interviews I've been going on. I've got um, Alex at Kingsbury next week. Um, and uh, I think I've got four or five already scheduled as well. So it's got some great content, great guests coming your way over the next 12 months. And um, other things, the book, Project Manager Productivity Hacks audiobook. I've nearly finished doing my proper edit on it to make it available outside of Google and for those who may not have heard that is available on uh, Google Play uh, although it's a slightly um, unedited for 
uh, the little subtleties of voice because it's automatically voice created and so there is the odd it doesn't like the word diarise unless I spell it with a Z uh, and things like that and you in America might say that's how you should spell it um, but uh, things like that so I'm going through it I'm about three quarters of the way through doing the little edits on that so I'll be updating that soon and then I'll be taking that version and pumping that out to other um, areas of podcasting so um, yeah those are the key things that are going on with me uh, the other thing to ask is, I'm looking to um, push the podcast a bit more, get more people um, to listen to it, uh, just get a bit more uh, coverage because on different platforms you get a little bit more benefits um, on the, the new Spotify podcasters app that we've moved on to in the last couple of days. That gives you uh, some better benefits. So um, best way for me to get that out there is for you guys to tell your colleagues and friends to have a listen to the podcast so really appreciate it if you share on social media or ping your friends a get a link to the show to have a listen i think this this episode is such a uh not this episode this series of two episodes is such a powerful one that um it, it would be great to spread that as well so um i'll in fact i'll let you get on with the second part of this interview with kim hammer cheers now and then the feelings are hard ones. I mean, especially at work. And I think we, I want to talk a little bit about work and accepting help, right? Because work is very different. We, we have these people who we see on a daily basis. We spend a lot of time with them. Not so much now that a lot of us are work, still working from home. But we have these people. But there's still a work personal line that doesn't get crossed. And so your employee, your, your, your coworker, your employee has cancer. You are their manager. And so you still have to show them, coach them, tell them what to do to get their job done, oversee them. And you want to help. And maybe, you know, you feel like you don't feel like comfortable bringing them a meal to their home or filling their car with gas. And so just dealing with that discomfort and understanding I'm really uncomfortable because I don't know what to do or what to say or how to help is a really important part of the process. Um, you know, maybe you have your own history of maybe, you know, you spoke about death, you know, early on in your life. So, you know, when, when, if an employee's partner dies, you, you get that, you can get part of that journey. Um, but it, it, but it can be very triggering. It can bring up a lot of feelings and, you know, crying at work isn't necessarily a thing that most of us like to do. So just managing your feelings, understanding, taking a look at how you're feeling and taking a look at your own stereotypes is a really important part of the process. Because after that, then you can sit down and go, okay, now let's assess the situation clearly because my brain has now gotten rid of all these, all this other stuff is now no longer in the way. I can now look at the situation and, and, and understand what needs to happen. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's, it, it funny where you say there about the don't know what to say earlier and things like that. It's kind of approaching this conversation with you and kind of looking at the topic and deciding which parts of your bio to read and which mm. how to deal with it. That's really uncomfortable. I'm open it. It's uncomfortable for me to know what to say and how to do it. I I still now struggle. We we as I say we, we my, my my wife had uh, breast cancer for. But my, uh, I can't do the maths now, 2013, so it's nearly 10 years ago when that was diagnosed. And um, saying cancer is still hard for me. Yeah. Saying the word, still hard. Yeah. Really yep. hard. Yeah. And, and 
it's it's weird how that just that one word brings up so much emotion. Um, and and actually, when I'm thinking about it now, when I'm talking about that situation rather than other situations of people I know have have had had cancer, I'm not. I'm not. It's not as difficult. It's it's a very strange feeling. And then so jumping into this conversation, talking to you about the loss of your husband, it again brings those similar similar feelings of how do I feel about this? What what do I say? Do I say right? We're talking about this. Sorry to hear about that. But do I say that? Do I not say that? Because I yeah. don't know what to say in that scenario. Because it it's not something that I know you in an experience. You still feel as if. Should that's what went through my mind of do, should I say do do I say something should I say right. and it's really it's 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 hard it's it really highlighted the difficulty of this whole thing and as you say with managers you've you've got a and I'm you you were saying before about looking for topics on this and I, one thing I do need to look at is have a look back on um, there's a podcast I, I mentioned pretty much every time I, I'm on this. Uh-huh. Uh, called Manager Tools that I've listened to for 15, 20 years. A couple okay. of guys from Texas um, that uh, basically they geek out on, on management as a topic. Right. They, they're, they're absolutely obsessed with management to the point where they will have one podcast which is talking about to, how to talk to someone if they've got the body odor. Yeah. And what to do and yeah. why to do it and things like yep. that. Which yep. kind of like they're down, down into those granular. Yep. And, and I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure. I'd be really surprised if they haven't covered something like this as a topic as well. As of, and, and what they do, they do actionable items, what to do, how to do it. And this yep. kind of thing. I'm going to have a scooch back onto that just to see if there is something. No, I, I, I would love it. It's, it's a topic that's still, you know, you can Google what to say, but when you say what to say to employees, it doesn't come up. And I have not no. found anywhere that talks about how to manage employees going through crisis. It's, it's yeah. very, especially in HR, it's very, you know, we have something in this country called um, the Family Medical and Leave Act, which allows a person to leave their job for up to three months unpaid. And, they, and, and if they come back within that three months time, they have to have that job or a similar job job um, given given to them. So that's what we have here. And so on my side as an HR professional, I'm I learn about a you know the FMLA, I learn about the Americans with Disabilities Act, which some employees can can use and so we have to make accommodations for them. Um, you know, some states have state disability, so employees can actually get paid part of their salary when they're out. But those are all the technical pieces of crisis. Those are not the management, what do I do with Joe, who now can only work two days a week. And when he's in those two days, he's not doing so great either. Like his, his brain is clearly not engaged. And he's the head, he's leading this team. How do I have the conversations with him? And of course, the manager is, is you know, fearful. Uh, they've got HR and maybe their legal department going, you can't say this, 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 and this. So he's, you know, the manager is just filled with this fear of, will I say the wrong thing that he's going to quit and take us to court for and sue us? Look, this is not a topic for the lighthearted. It requires courage on all levels, courage as a friend, courage as a coworker, courage as a manager, courage as an organization. It really requires you to say, this isn't going away. I'm going to run into this again, and I don't want to feel as helpless ever again. So what yeah. do I need to do? And it's really taking that um, 
because even today, even with all my knowledge and all that I teach all the time, I have friends who say, oh my gosh, this happened to me. And literally, what do I want to say? If you need anything, let me know. And I have to stop myself because it's just so, it's, it's, exactly, stop it. (laughs) You know, it's so ingrained in us. It is so ingrained in us. And so you have to be able to take that moment to take that breath and look, yeah. some of the most meaningful things that I had, I was on a podcast a couple of weeks ago and I was sharing my story and the woman just started to cry. And she said, oh my, like, I just, I, you know, your husband, your husband. And, and I wasn't in that place, but I understood that, you know, my journey really can make people kind of take a moment. It's my journey. It's what I've been dealing with this for 13 years. You know, like he's been dead for 13 years. But I will tell you this. There are moments like you talk about when you talk about cancer with your wife that just catch my breath and I will sob. You know, I'll find myself sobbing. In fact, I, this happened a couple of months ago. My husband, when sirens used to go by, when we were first married and we moved to the city, we'd hear sirens. My reaction was, Oh no, someone's in trouble. This makes my heart hurt. Like, you know, someone's, something bad has happened. His reaction was, go get him. Help is coming. Hang in there. So two totally different reactions. And we stayed that way in our marriage. He dies. Sirens, I live in LA. I hear sirens all the time. A couple months ago, a siren went by and I said out loud, go get them. You know, good for you. Go get them. Hang in there, person. And I burst out crying. I had to pull over to the side of the road and I sobbed. This is 13 years after my husband died. So I think it's really understanding that you're not over anything. You're never over anything. It just comes. There's no end to grief. There's no end to grief. It just touches the surface and then it recedes and it touches the surface and then it recedes and then it goes here. Then it goes down and then, then it recedes for a long, long time. And then all of a sudden it's up, then it's back down again. Um, and I think as a manager, those are things that we don't think about, you know, your employee may be back at work after, after fighting cancer and beating it, but that cancer anniversary comes up every year and they're a wreck. They're a wreck, right? Or it's a day before, or it's the anniversary of the death. You know, so these are things that we, we, I talk about assessment, then I go into taking thoughtful action. So there's things you can do in the moment, which is work plans and being really clear on the communication and what the employee wants. Those are really important things. Those are what we call in my thoughtful action section. But they also include honoring anniversaries. People think, oh, no, I don't want to make them cry. Look, y'all, my husband's dead. You are not going to make me cry. I cry on my own. And oftentimes when you acknowledge the loss of my husband, I'm not crying because he died. I'm crying because I'm so touched that you remembered, that you feel his loss too, that, you, that, that it hurts your heart too. That's where, especially nowadays, that's where I cry from. So, you know, there are things that managers need the tools to really understand. It's okay to, to have a huge celebration on the anniversary of, of the person's death. And I don't mean like balloons and things like that, but I mean, you know, the team getting together and sending a card saying, we, we know this is a very special, or the special day is coming up. We just want you to know that we love you and we're so sorry this happened to you and we've got you and great job on that report last week, right? Some levity. Um, humor is something that people don't often think about when they think about loss and they think about cancer. 
I love death jokes. You know, I love when people say, you know, I, um, you know, I, I'm sorry I didn't help Kim, but that's okay. Cause I realize your husband's going to be dead for a while so I can still help. Right. I mean, that sounds awful, but you can make light of situations. I'm sure you and your wife had some good cancer jokes. Well, I, do you know what? The one that struck me there that first popped into my head was a, fr- a very good friend of mine who I lived with. Um, and it was, a, but my dad passed away when I was quite young as well. And we were with some people in a bar and uh, we were chatting. It must have been in our early 20s. What do your parents do? What do you know? and, and what someone said, what's your dad doing, Nigel? And my mate, quick as a flash, said he's a vertical daisy operative. Uh, yeah, uh, his name's Rick. It's, 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 his, it's his word. Uh, I'll give him credit on that. And it, no, I, I can't. I I don't recall how long it was after that. After right. Your dad had died. I don't think it. I don't think it was really close. I don't think right. it was. It wasn't tens and twenties. Right. It, it was. It was. It was close enough that everyone else sat around that table went. What? Um, and then I burst out laughing in it. Yeah, and 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 again, it's if if anyone's listening to this, and that's, that's difficult for them, I can understand that. But for me at that time, it it was it was actually good. It's something I remember very much, um, and and I think it's <laughs> it's difficult humor pitching it right and getting it right, um, and and as you say. It, the people who know you've, you've got to be at that right time and the right person. And the, yes. Uh, the cat, the, the and, and I, but, but I think there is still that thing of when it comes from you, who's going through it, um, you, I'm, I'm suggesting that whoever you, your friend is, you, they've seen you joke about the situation and seen that Correct. and they know yes. well enough to do that. Yes. That, that, that thing. I think the anniversaries thing is um, an interesting one as well, because, I had a, a guy who worked for me, and I never, I haven't thought about this particular. I thought about this guy. I've been actually using this guy as an analogy for some coaching that I've been doing about some coaching that I've given him, and about someone who's showing some similar um, traits at the moment. And <clears throat> but what I'd forgotten was that this guy had a heart transplant, mm. um, and he had two birthdays. Right. So he had. The birthday of his birth and the birthday of when he had his, his heart transplant. That, yeah. his, that was his life starting again. Right. He was in a really bad way before that. I, right. I didn't know him when he had that heart transplant. Right. I just knew him. He worked for me after that. And again, that he made light of it. He, he kind of, yes, it's my second birthday today. Right. Because right. exactly. it, it was that that positiveness yes. coming from it. Yes. Um, and it, I think it, it's, it's funny how it's... Um, the right answer isn't there with a lot of these things because Correct. as you said before, diff- different people at different points deal with their grief in different ways. And the, the whole, um, uh, the why me, the, the, the change, the, the change cycle of things where you have, I can't remember what it's called, but where you have, the, you've got acceptance, sorry, dis, sorry. Right. The, the, sta- the, the stages, of, the stages of grief. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those those stages yep. through there, but they're not a one and done, are they? No, and they don't go and they don't they, go in order, they, and they go backwards and and, all, yep. and 
and and they continue forever. Yes. And they, and, and and whether it's it's loss, not just of an individual, it's loss of say if you've been through it, it's loss of the life that you had, yes. loss of the situation you were in. It's it's loss of change and maintain it, something. It's loss of my future. Right. It's loss of what I thought my future was going to be as well. And, you know, change the direction. Exactly. Exactly. And I think the thing that, um, you know, if you're a person who jokes a lot with a person, if you're at work and you and your coworker or you and your employee have a very jovial, funny relationship, their diagnosis or what they're going through should not mean that you stop that. Because honestly, I had a friend who would call me every Wednesday morning and leave a joke on my answering machine. That's how old I am. Um, and remember <laughs> answering machines? And, and I would, I would, you know, get the kids out the door because people were taking them to school. And I would yeah. sit down. This after Art died, and I would sit down. I'd listen to her joke. And sometimes, especially in the early days, it was the only time during the day I ever heard myself laugh. You know, it was a very foreign yeah. sound, but it was so grateful for it. So, you know, you have to, I think that's the, what makes this so hard is there isn't a, here's your step-by-step guide. Even, even in the North Star strategy, it's a strategy that will get you through five different, you know, five different steps you need to take, but they're not always come in order. And they, and sometimes you have to double back and sometimes you have to redo. And so, so even there, there's not a specific way. It's really about understanding who you are and how, and, and being willing, like I said, being willing to have the courage to move forward. And y'all, we're all going to make mistakes. There's nothing wrong with the mistake. The mistake becomes a problem when you try to cover it up or when you try to pretend it didn't happen. I cannot tell you how moved I have been by people who have come to me and said, I said the wrong thing and I'm so sorry. And I have gone to other people and said, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. Right? Like that. And there's, and there's no, but there's no, I shouldn't have said that, but, or I, you know, or I, and I don't explain why I said what I said, because that makes it, that deletes, that, that diminishes the apology. Mm-hmm. But the yeah, person, but, the but, person, but everything before the butt is a is a it's ignored, it, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. But you know the and the person who is, you know, don't forget that you're not the only person who has said something wrong to this person. If they yeah. have let everyone know they have cancer, they have heard plenty of people say really not meaning to be mean, but mean things. So if you're the person who comes back to them, if you're the manager who comes back and says. I need to talk to you about the thing that I said last week. It was inappropriate. I shouldn't have said it. I'm sorry. What I meant to say was this. You come back to that, you have just increased the trust value between you and your employee tenfold. Because they, you know, most of those people are completely clueless and that you show that you have a clue, that you're conscious, that you're aware, that signals to them that you're someone that can be trusted. So it really, I mean, but again, this is, this is a journey of courage, outright management courage. It's, it's Brene Brown in cancer, <laughs> you know, loss and depression. <laughs> yeah. It's the bravery is the thing there. I think that is the thing though. And I, w- I wouldn't go as far to say cowardice is the thing to poke at that. It's, yeah, it's not. But it, is, it, 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 but it feels like that. Sometimes you feel like a coward by not addressing it. Feel like a coward by not um, by by avoiding, but doing the avoidance. But it's understandable. I can understand it. I could understand it. 
when I got older, I think, yes. from others. And I've understood it since. And I, with different situations, I've, I've, I've quite comfortable forgiving people for them not feeling comfortable. Yes. Um, and, and I think that's, that's something we can, unless you understand it, it's difficult to do. I think that the thing that I suppose I, I, I'm sitting there and I take from today and from this conversation is, um, and it's very much like everything else in, in management, is being specific, not being generic. Yes, I love that. Yep. Because that's where we fail. And um, you can put your hands over your ears as I say something about HR policies now. Go um, for it. <laughs> I, they're, they're, they're there to address the lowest common denominator. Yes. Not the individual. And 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 I see why they have to do that. Yes. But then as the managers on top, the layer that we add on there is the understanding and knowing our people and being able to be specific and knowing their strengths, knowing their weaknesses, knowing their, their, what they're doing with their jobs. And, the, the, and I think this is a whole probably another hour's worth of conversation. That, <laughs> that something that triggered earlier was about performance management yes. in crisis situation. Yes. Um, I, I, was, I was listening. In fact, I was doing some training this week or last week, was it last week? And it was about a situation where someone who's um, either got a mental or physical disability, which mm-hmm. impaired their work, mm-hmm. but they were doing the same job as someone else. And it's something that's come up, not that has happened. And right. something happened to bring it out. And how do you deal with that? Right. And it's like, it's a really hard situation because someone's doing the same job, but that person might take longer to do that job right. Right. because of their, their situation. But then they're measured alongside someone else who is quicker at that job. And yep. how, do you, how, do you, how do you make equity in that? And it's, yep. it brings me back to the box. Yep. The, 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 the image of the, the three people stood looking over yep. a fence. Yes. Yep. Equity and e- equality and, and yep. the, the two the different yep, things fair, where you need a bigger fair, box for the short person. And, yeah. yeah, yep, yeah. yep, yep, exactly. And, and and in that same vein where you've got someone who is either ill for a period of their time or in a situation where the family member is ill or someone's passed away, or all of those things, and making those adjustments, those reasonable adjustments for those people, but also holding them to account for their performance exactly. because they're still performers. They're still good at what they want to do. They yep. still want to progress in the organization, yep. but there's a limit to how well they can do at that point in time. Exactly. And it, and it is that case. Can, do you sit there? Can you sit there and go, right, okay, this is where you are and this is what you can do. And I, and I had a similar conversation with my manager when I came back off stress. When I was off stress, five months, different thing, not as extreme as some of these others, but then that's me probably talking it down a little bit. But when I came back into the organization, it was a case of, right, I'm not going to be able to perform at the level I was before. Yep. I shouldn't be, I wasn't going to take on a piece of work of the scale and level that I was going to do before. I wasn't going to come in as much. And I was, I, I, I was quite diligent on how slowly I came in and was reviewing yes. it with the manager going, right, should we up it, lower it? What should we do? Exactly. Like people who've come back into work where they've had, um, varying different issues of anxiety issues and, and, and for, for different things. And they've come back into the office too early and I've gone, it's too early. Stop, stop racing. And yep. then they've been out for a bit longer because they've had a setback and I've yep. done that feeling as well. And, and I think that's the thing where 
we have to manage the individual, not the situation. Yes, yes. Because the situation, that same situation with every single one of your team, they will react completely different. The need to be back in the office might be paramount for their recovery. Exactly. The need for them not to be in the office might be paramount to their recovery. And then it's a case of, right, how do we... How do we manage that with the project, with the work that we've got to done? And sometimes you've got to sit there and go, look, you're not ready to come back. Yep. You're going to have to take longer. Yep. Yep. And and just, and that's it. You go, go. And, and sometimes as a manager, I think you've got to be firm in those scenarios to say you're not ready. Yes. Yes. And, and then and then work out how to fix, you know what I mean? It's, it's how to solve the, the gap. Right, right. It's 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 a puzzle. It's a puzzle whose yeah. pieces fit together differently every single time. You yeah. know, I think the so the the third star and the north star strategy is doing the assessment. So it's really taking a look at the team. What is what are each of the individuals doing on the team? What are their strengths? What is this person who is now out or who's coming back and grieving? You know, yeah. three or four weeks after a loss, back at work. What are what what are they working on? What were they working on? And then understanding who can take what, right? Which part of the team members can can take on extra work, and and so getting that really big picture. Understand, you know, mm-hmm. what are the what are your quarterly goals? What are your KPIs for the, you know, what what, yeah. you know, if you're doing yeah, a sprint, what do you need to get done to get to that sprint, right? So to the end of the sprint, so really taking a good look at that and then that's where you have those thoughtful conversations which is what you alluded to it's with the person who's grieving you're back at work look i'm not going to take i've seen managers do the big mistake of taking everything off their plate so they're only doing a bare minimum and they're doing things that they don't like that's not inspiring to the person and that's not inspiring to the team because what you're teaching the team is, Oh, note to self. If I have an issue, if I need to be out of work for any length of time, don't tell him because he's going to take all my favorite stuff away. So, so what you want to do is you want to sit down with them and say, okay, here's what you used to do. Let's talk about what you can do right now. Right. And we're not talking about what you can do for six months. We are talking about what you can do for the next month, for the next four, the next 20 days. Yeah. What can that you return do? to work, isn't it? The return to work plan. Exactly. To Ex- do that and do it detailed and do it realistically. Exactly. It? Exactly. And that's, I mean, being a PM, this is the perfect opportunity to kind of work that out, to really understand. The key thing that I think that many managers forget is you, you know, you come, you, you got an employee, they come in, they need help getting kind of reacclimated to work. And you've got a whole bunch of other employees who were eager to help in the beginning and may not be so eager to take on extra work because you haven't spent the time to give them the kudos for what they're doing. So yeah. a lot, what I see a lot of managers do is they like, okay, we've got this employee. We're going to, we're going to support them. And the team's like, yay, we're going to support. Yay, yay, yay. And then four weeks go on. They're like, yay. And then six weeks and eight weeks. And they're like, yeah. I'm overworked and I'm stressed and I'm working 70 hours a week and no one has said anything to me. So the manager also needs to make sure that they're taking the time and talking yeah. the talking to the team, giving them the recognition, recognition, updating them on the situation. This is what, you know, people want to, this is what he's going to be doing right now. So that the team and, and then also giving the team the opportunity to care for the employee beyond just taking on their work. 
right? So it means like maybe, hey, George, you can be, they, they're willing to accept meals. You have to bring them here and make sure they're frozen. So George, you're on, you want to do meal on Wednesday? Yeah, I'll do a meal on Wednesday. You know, Daphne, do you want to do, um, you know, meal on Tuesday? Yep, I got a meal next Tuesday. So that they're able to help in other ways than just helping at work. That's where the employee engagement, the discretionary effort that every manager wants, right? We want our employees to just put in so much more effort because they love their jobs. They love their team. That's where that really starts to show up is when it really is. I, you know, I, I, I don't like to say when your employee has cancer because it's really the team who has cancer. It's really the team that's dealing with death. It's really the team that's dealing with depression. It's not a single employee. Um, and that's where the magic happens when the manager is able to really sit down and have these detailed work discussions, work plans with the employee and the rest of the team understands what they're going to be taking on. And the manager has some type of recognition, you know, uh, in their, in their, in, in, in their heads. And they, and they kind of had sort of this sort of, they're going to start to lay out this plan of month and two months and three months and everyone's on board. And that's communicated clearly. Holy cow. You can have a team that's more productive in crisis than they are when everything is going well. And that's the beauty of it. So the assessing and then taking that thoughtful action and that thoughtful action can, you know, can be anything. It can also happen at the corporate level, you know, corporate, corporate level could say, Hey, you know, we've never done this before, but from here on out, when someone has a cancer diagnosis, we are going to give them a share ride gift card so that they don't have to worry about getting to their treatment and back and we'll restock it for six months, right? The company can decide this is what we're going to do for everybody all across the board. And so what you, what ends up happening is you have this really beautiful like ball of like it's like a net of support that not only supports the employee but that every other employee on the team and hopefully the organization goes i'm safe if something happens to me i'm safe in this company and that's what drives that that higher level of engagement and discretionary output and then the last thing is the reflection you know, it's really taking the time to say, okay, this, this isn't working. <laughs> like this one thing we're doing, this is not working. So-and-so is mad. This person isn't getting their job done. And, and, and that assessment, uh, taking that recognition, I mean, taking that time to reflect, that's where you give that feedback to that employee. Hey, look, you know, yeah. you said you were going to, you've missed two deadlines. We've really got to figure this out. What, what can we do to help? Do you need something pulled off your plate? Do you, do you not, what is it, what is it we need to do? Do you need more time off? You know, but having those honest, and that's the key word, honest and frank conversations. Yes, they have cancer. And yes, it's really hard. You're compa- you can be so compassionate. That compassion and that honesty go really well together, and that means that you're being compassionate and product productive. The team member who's ill knows where you stand. That gives that team member an incredible amount of comfort. They may not like it, but they get it. They understand. They know that they need to be back in the that that you're going to call them a week after their their partner died to just check in. They know that's going to happen. It's not they take as much time as you need. That doesn't, that's, that feels so insecure. Your job as a manager is to provide that safety for everybody on the team. And when you are taking the time to reflect and to get back and to put together the work plan and to hold that person accountable, no matter what's happening in their lives, it makes everyone go, oh, 
I think the last thing I'll say is it reminds me of having teenagers and they say teenagers hate boundaries and they love them. They're so grateful for them, right? So if all their friends, they don't want no curfew. What they do want is to have a curfew that's the same as everybody else. Oh, you got to be home at 11? I got to be home at 11. And they're going to complain about it to you. And they're going to tell you it's not fair. And they're going to want a curfew at 12. But they're so grateful for the boundaries. And the same thing occurs at work. People need the boundaries when there's crisis. That leads them to feel like there's a foundation and a firm ground. And that someone's in charge at the helm. Yeah. Yeah. I think the lack of boundary, I think the thing is, is, and I've seen it in organizations where um, the people aren't given delegated authority, but they're not given the boundaries on which they can work. Yes. And therefore they fear stepping over the boundary. Yes. Or because they might get slapped for stepping over the boundary they didn't know was there. Right. <laughs> and, and, and that's the worst thing is like, so what, all that encourages people not stepping out to the boundaries. So you're not getting the most innovation. You're not getting the most out of the people that are there. Exactly. And it's, yeah. I, I, one of the things that I was thinking on the assessment side of it, when you said there's a, a phrase I've heard again, I'll go back to manager tools called delegate to the floor. Yeah. Oh, that's and, a yes. Fantastic thing of, of where you can look at that and you've got a team there and you've got to cut back what you've got. Looking at the, for the team that, uh, taking on that extra burden looking at those items you can say we're not doing that we'll get in trouble but we're not doing it someone will moan at us we're not doing it mm-hmm. and and you make those decisions there are things that you don't get done as an employee and as a manager every single week and every single day right that you should really do or you would like to do but actually if you consciously pick those ones and go right guys we're going to take joe blogs work over here they're going to be working two days a week. The rest of it, we're going to pick up a slack between us. These are, and this is how we've agreed to spread it out. And right, and so that report there, we're not going to do for the next six weeks. That report, you you don't have to do that for the next six weeks. Yep. We won't have that meeting. That's an improvement. You, you pick out those things that are not, that you can then, as part of that crisis, it's the same as if there was a, well, the COVID crisis and all those sort of things. Mm-hmm. There's things that you took they, to get the, the, the um, vaccines through. There's things they took out of the process that were not impacting the process, but just taking, making the time different. Exactly. Reprioritize that. Don't do that. Do that. And then you can get there. And and I've seen that happen time after time where we've got a project urgency. And then these individual situations, again, that delegate to the floor is so powerful because it's just, it's a conscious, I'm not doing it. Yes. And I think that sometimes we don't do that. And we don't, the, the team don't get that, um, discussion and say right which bits of your job do you think we shouldn't bother doing right for these right. Next six weeks? yeah and that, that conversation then brings them on board and then you don't get that resentment as you say the expectation of them doing two people's jobs exactly their job plus helping out with the other exactly i love that and that's very true and i think that that's again that's a courageous act because as a manager you then have to turn around and say to your manager we're in crisis here's what we're here's what i'm thinking that we shouldn't be doing doing. this is what we're not doing you know and i know i know you're we're going to get in trouble but you let them know that we have an employee who just got back whose child just died and we are going to work we want we like this employee we want to keep this employee and especially you know this becomes part of the talent management piece, right? 
We all know the talent is hard to find, you know, even, even in, 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 in the supposed coming, you know, correction, um, at these levels, what we're talking about with knowledge workers, it's hard to find people to good people to fill the jobs. If you want to keep not only the employee who is dealing with this crisis, but their team members, you need to be thinking about how you're going to manage through a crisis. And that, and yeah. so it's, it's not about, did I get the project done? It's about, wait, we've got five team members who are, who knock it out of the park consistently. We want to keep them. So let's do what we can to make it work in the organization. Um, so no, they don't have to write these reports ever for, for the rest of the, for the next six weeks. Um, so that's yeah. a real, I love that to delegate to the flaw. That's a, it's a, I've, I've heard that saying before and I didn't think about it in this context, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. That's brilliant. So uh, we've been chatting, I knew we'd talk for a while. Well over an hour now. Uh, and I'm sure you've got the rest of your day to do. And I'm sure my kids are going to want to see me at some point. Tonight. Um, it, but I, I, could, I could probably talk on this topic for another couple of hours. I'm sure it's, it's, there's so many rabbit holes to go down. For sure. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, there really are. Um, but to wrap up, is there anything that um, that you would have liked to have mentioned today um, that you, we, we didn't touch on? Um, just far away. And I, and I suppose if there isn't, that, that, um, after that, if you can just let us know where people can find out more and get in touch with you and things like that. Sure. So I'm actually going to start with that piece and I'll end with the, the one thing that mm-hmm. I want everyone to know. Um, so if you'd like to reach out to me, please reach out to me on LinkedIn. I am at Kim Hamer with one M, so it's H-A-M-E-R on LinkedIn. I do LinkedIn Lives every Thursday on this topic about managing employees in crisis. I do them Thursday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, so please feel free to join me. Or if you have a question, any question at all about how to help deal with an employee who's dealing with a crisis, please DM me, and I will actually cover the response on the LinkedIn Live. So please reach out to me there. You can also reach out to me on my website, and I know I mentioned one thing never to say. There are four other things you should never say to an employee with cancer, and you can find them at 100actsoflove.com. That's the number 100, actsoflove.com backslash what not to say. No capitals, no spaces, nothing. What not to say. So you can download those four things never to say and find out, or those five things never to say, and find out what to say instead, because I think that's a really valuable tool. Um, and then of course I'm on Instagram. I just, I like Instagram. It's kind of fun. I do, I do Tuesday tip days. I do them on LinkedIn too, but I do Tuesday tip days. And I do that. Like I said, LinkedIn lives on Thursdays. Um, there are two things I'd like to end with. And that is one. I really firmly believe in the power of joy to change. So every Monday on all my platforms, I tell a joke. It's, I call it Monday joke day. Um, so please join me in watching me tell a joke. They're usually pretty bad, but I get a lot of amusement out of them. I think it's really important that we start our week off in a, in a place of joy. And the last thing I, I want to... I love a bad joke. Because <laughs> I got a ton of them. And they're really bad. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of dad jokes. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what they are. That's all. They're all dad jokes. Um, and I think the last thing is, I think sometimes... No matter what side we're on, whether we're on the side of dealing with depression or the cancer or loss or whether we're on the other side of wanting to support somebody dealing with those things, we forget how much we matter. And so for those of you who are thinking about not saying anything, not showing up because you're terrified you're going to say in the wrong thing, 
you are doing a disservice to yourself and to you, the person who you know, because you are in their lives for a reason. You matter to them. And even if you don't know what to say, showing up means a great deal to that person. And if you're on the other side of dealing with the depression and the cancer and the loss, I know it feels like maybe no one cares, but when someone is offering help, even when they're saying it the wrong way by saying, if you need anything, let me know, it is their way of telling you that you matter, that you are important to them, that they, that you are loved and so, and, and respected. So please just open your heart and let them help you. It's not just going to help you. It's also going to help them. So that's the message. You matter. You really matter. I did notice that on your uh, your email sign off thing. I like, stood yes. out something that I'd not seen before. I'm like, oh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, was, uh, <laughs> yeah and I, I think it is sometimes it's difficult um, realizing how much impact you can have on someone or how much impact someone else has had on you with just small things that happen. Exactly. So, Kim, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for giving me so much time. Um, it's uh, great and I'm sure that every person listening to this will will have said the wrong thing yes. and um, <laughs> or not said anything and yes. I, I'm sure that just a few little tools on and that you've just covered on this uh, uh, show will help us all deal with these situations uh, in 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 the projects that we're delivering. So um, again, thanks. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you very much and have a fantastic rest of your day. Nigel, thank you so much. I really appreciate your interest in this topic and thank you for, thank you for your podcast. I, I, I'm not in PM and I'm actually enjoying it. I'm on my third one. So thank you for everything that you do. Brilliant. Well, <laughs> it's all the guests. That's what makes it good. <laughs> thanks, Kim. All right. Cheers there. Well, I hope you enjoyed that second part of that interview with Kim. I think some of the topics uh, covered in it are powerful and uh, incredible. The um, advice that she's given there, I've never thought about some of the things. Uh, I've done many of the things wrong, and I think um, it's an opportunity to make it easier when we have those situations, both us and the people going through it as managers. Um, So on that one, I just... Never mind the podcast, but just to help other people, please share this podcast. Tell your friends, tell your colleagues, have a listen to this, because it goes beyond um, uh, the normal sort of typical management advice stuff that I think. I think it's something that so many people could benefit from, and it would make everyone's lives a bit easier when we're in these difficult situations. Um, That's it, really. And uh, come back next week. Speak soon. Bye. So this is my final wrap up every week you're going to hear this you're going to get bored of it but you can always click next podcast if so um if you have enjoyed it if you've listened to this podcast to the end of this uh show and you think that was great i'd love to be able to help Nigel. out um there are loads of ways you can do it um the, the first and, and obvious way is to um 
share the podcast send it out to people um if you if you know colleagues and friends who'd benefit from it you think they'd enjoy it just send them the link grab one of the links or send them to www.nigelcreaser.com slash podcasts that's www.nigelcreaser.com slash podcasts and that will push them over to a um a link tree link and it's got all of the different ways they can consume the the podcast uh if you are feeling generous and have a big bag of cash you could grab a copy of one of my books obviously um uh, they're available in all the usual places and print and, and and digital again jump on the website uh, www.nigelcreaser.com slash shop and that will give you a list of all the different ways that you can contribute um, and, and grab copies of the book also got um, links to all my guests books on there as well where I get a little bit of a kickback from them um, if you are of a sporting mind um, I have a number through doing some of my uh, judo and, and running uh, antics uh, I've managed to secure a few um, uh, affiliate links and affiliates uh, there as well so in there somewhere in the sponsors page there's links to those as well so clicking onto those and grabbing uh, your if you're with it if you're looking to uh, get super fit then that would be fabulous as well and I get a little kickback from those uh, I have a patreon account it's patreon.com slash Sunday lunch pm uh, so again you can ping something in there buy me a coffee or whatever and finally obviously the most important is coming back coming back listen again um, because uh, the more of you that come back uh, the more uh, visibility I get because there's more times that it's downloaded and all the SEO works and things like that so yeah that's it so uh, if you can help me out I would be much appreciated. If you can't, don't worry about it. Thank you very much. Cheers now. Bye. Well, it's goodbye from me, Nigel Creaser, and it's goodbye from him, the Sunday Lunch PM. Goodbye. <laughs>